You know what that sound means, Uncle Nubs, don't you? We have important late-breaking news. And I want all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Actually, it, it doesn't really mean late-breaking news, but it means a special. And uh, what's special about today, buddy? Ah, uh, that it's hot out? We have made it. It is hot out. It is, it is toasty. We have made, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm shirtless um, right now, in case, I mean, in case you didn't notice. Oh, I, I noticed. Uh, I noticed. And you look fabulous. I've gone tofe shirt off. You know, I've cut some of the COVID lubs. I, I feel good. You know, I feel, uh, you know, I was out yesterday and, you know, out in the sun is warm, warm on my skin. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> but no, we, this is our 50th episode. I mean, 50 as in like five zero nub our golden anniversary tea. It is. I feel like we should go to bill naps or something, you know, have a chocolate cake and some chicken pot pie and then go home and watch the matlock. Maybe. What do you think? Dude, here's what I think. I can still taste. The fried chicken and macaroni and cheese at Bill Knapp's. It was so good, man. Yeah. You know, that restaurant took a lot of heat because, you know, yeah, it was, it was a little bit over the hill. But man, was it tasty. <laughs> Whatever happened to it? I mean, I, I assume they're all, they're all gone. Well, the restaurants are gone, but they still sell, at least at our local little uh, grocer, they still sell um, take-home versions of the cake the uh chocolate cake and the what was it like a coffee cake was their other big thing something like that they do licensed product huh yes licensed product but and it it comes in the white box with the bill knapps logo so clearly they still have you know some kind of branding going on but no more restaurants man well as unfortunate as that is um it's extremely fortunate that we come to you today with a you know 50th episode special here and i don't know nub we don't really have an agenda we could we could do a little q and a and then i may or may not have a little game up my sleeve uh we could do the game now i mean what what do you think let's make this sort of choose your own adventure nub what do you what do you want buddy why don't we do you know a couple questions and then reminisce yeah. a little bit and then a couple questions and if you got something up your no sleeve then uh you know, we'll, we'll go with that yeah, no, no sleeve, no shirt, no anything. You know, no service. A, yeah, yeah, just a just a couple of nips. That's all I got going over here. <laughs> cool, man. Well, well, why don't we why don't we warm up with a little Q and A? And I'm not saying I have a game. I haven't fully declared that, but it, in the event that there may be one. You know, we can warm up with a little bit of Q and A. Did you get some Q and A from some people? I've I've got some, <laughs> I've got some pretty solid questions on my side as well. Definitely gathered some good questions. So uh, yeah, we'll be able to uh, address some of our listeners' curiosities. Well, why don't I start first? And, and this is a good one for you. Since his untimely death, I've come to realize that I may have been saying the name wrong forever. So is it Neil Pert or Neil Peart? I've heard you guys say it both ways. And who better to ask than you two idiots? They didn't really say that last part. But uh, that comes from, I, I do want to shout out uh, uh, Sam, uh, a great listener of ours, has a great podcast in his own right. 
and he sent over a, a couple of dandies uh, for for today's episode. So thanks, Sam. You're you're one hell of a model American and uh, and a great listener, and you got that going for you, which is nice. So no, go ahead. Is it is it pert or peart to the great debate? It's peart, no doubt about it. And if you're in Canada, especially, you you really are supposed to pronounce it Neil Peart. Now I will say that. 95% of the time I say Neil Pert because that's what I, you know, remember from growing up. But it is Peart. And I will tell you that I didn't really find this out until uh his death when most people were referencing his name publicly more than ever and they were pronouncing it Peart. I'm just gonna do Pert. It's just it's too much work to do the yeah. other thing. Hey, here's a great one. You're gonna probably know who this is from. Are you ready? Nubs. Spell Ingve Malmstein. <laughs> and I do, yeah, I do want to shout Loeb, uh, co-producer, fantastic listener, and, uh, and, and a real friend of the show really helped us uh, get up and running with, you know, a lot of tech stuff. She's kind of techie and, uh, and we've sure appreciated, uh, Loeb's contribution, you know, behind the scenes contributions to the show. Now, no cheating. All right, go. I just put my hands up completely. Okay, go. Ingve, Y N G W I E. Okay. Malmstein, M A L M S T E E N. That's correct. And I did see some clicking before you put your hands up. So, Mildly under protest, but wow, you, you got it. That's uh Y N G W I E. That's that's my hands impressive. went up immediately. And by the yeah. way, if, if episode 49 taught us anything, I do not cheat on these games. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, terrible performance. Jeez. That is no. impressive. So what's yeah. your, uh, I do, obviously you, you probably have a record or something. I do. I have rising force on, on vinyl and it, it's nice. his first solo album, which it just shreds. It's, you know, Ingve is hilarious because there's just no finesse, you know, there might be like seconds of finesse. And then before you know it, it's just, you know, just like a billion notes in five seconds. But I do have that record and, um, and I enjoy listening to it just for the pure skill and shredding. Yeah. So, you know, that, that the name is so odd that when you look at it, you do think about yeah. Wow, how is this even pronounced that way? So, well, a great question from Loeb, and, and I gotta say, you nailed it. Here's one from Be Fair. You know, Be Fair, right? We all know Be Fair. Absolutely. Worst band, the other likes. I think we've touched on this, but I don't know that we've actually, you know, fully singled out the worst band that the other likes. I know what Be Fair would say because he and I go through this a lot. He is like you, he's an anti Pearl Jammer. Smart guy, smart guy. <laughs> He's an anti pearl jammer, so I know that 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 is what he would say. Worst, I, you know, I don't know that you like a lot of bands that are like bad. There are some things that you listen to that you know I I don't fully understand, but I, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that you listen to anything that's like bad, you know. I mean, some of these, you've you've mentioned a few of these. Like, oh, I know. Never mind. Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams. I don't know why that took me so long. I okay. Now we've talked about the Pearl Jam thing and and whatever, but I respect Pearl Jam. This Ryan Adams thing you got going. 
I've tried Ringo. I'm trying hard Ringo. I freaking cannot get my like arms around it. I just don't get it. I, I think it's boring, painfully boring, melodramatic. You know, I mean, I, I heard when he was in Whiskey Town back when I was in college and all that. I mean, it was just, I just, I, I can't, I, I can't do it. I can't get it. I'm not smart enough, apparently, intelligent enough. But anyway, I would go Ryan Adams. That's one thing that Nubs has been pretty into at times that I just can't figure out. Yeah. And I can't figure out that take because, you know, he's got this hugely vast catalog with tons of different styles. Yes. Some of his stuff is absolutely sad bastard music. It is. And I don't really like a lot of that material, (laughs) but when he did the album rock and roll, which was very uptempo, his self-titled album from a few years ago is I think one of the best of the decade. He's created some masterpiece albums such as, you know, Love is Hell and Cold Roses with the Cardinals. So I would say easy on the word masterpiece, but I hear you. Oh, Cold Roses is a masterpiece. (laughs) It's a double album that's just so good. It's so complete. And it's a good take in the sense that I understand on the sad bastard side. But I I don't think you've really looked at the scope of the catalog and discovered some of the stuff that is not well, that. And that's true. I mean, I, I haven't like, it's not like I've fully dug in. I've dabbled. Um, yeah. But my dabbling has proven to be, uh, has lacked satisfaction. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, but fair, but fair enough. I, you know, I could, I could, I could do a deeper dive. I'll try, listen, episode 50, I'll make you a promise. I'll try again. I'll try one more time with more of a deep sort of swoop through the thing. Well, you're going to be forced to try because we're going to, you know, be choosing a Ryan Adams album now. I mean, but that's what you've told me now is that we need to do a, an episode on one of his. Sure. I'm I'm down with that. Of course. We'll do that for sure. All right. So mine for you, the previously discussed, and I won't choose this one because we've talked about it. My morning jacket. No, I'm not that in. No, yeah. I'm not that into them anymore. I, in fact, I really only like two records to to be fair. And I've been pretty much out of them ever since. Here's what we're going to define this. And Z is good. And evil urges is pretty good. And after that, everything's been junk. So I, you know, I, I don't know if, I mean, I think we, I think we agree on them more than we disagree, but you still own two records. So, I mean, we're going to count this as, as if you own an album, have seen them live, especially multiple times. You've seen my morning jacket live more than once. Yeah, back in the era where I felt they were <laughs> yeah, well, good. Yeah. I, I haven't seen them since because I now, think that now they suck. And let's just say, too, you know, the way Be Fair worded the question, it's worst band. They're, they're like a bad band. And I think My Morning Jacket is actually like a crap band. I really so do. do you think Z is not a good album? Correct. I don't think I don't think any of their albums are good albums. I think Evil Urges has one great song on it. And that's it. And really, it's just the first two minutes of the song. Which that song? The rest of the song sucks. Song? Uh, one Big Holiday. Oh, well, that, that was actually their first album, even before Z, that that one was on. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm not going to choose that one. Now, again, I don't know that you like this band. I don't even know if you, I know you have their stuff on some of your playlists. So that's why I'm going with this. Whereas me, I wouldn't even go near this band. And it was confirmed recently when I was watching the NFL draft. And that is Kings of Leon, who just suck. I don't like them a ton either. 
but you've got songs that play. I mean, our, sure. our pre gig playlist has Kings of Leon on it. Uh, does it? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think they're great or anything, but yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to go with the silly fools. That's who you no, mentioned before. I don't like them, but I wouldn't say they're the worst band. Like I, hmm. I don't like their sound and I don't, it's, it's overly done in every single way. And speaking of melodramatic, like it's just very, you know, it, it, it tries too hard. That's why I don't like silly oh, fools, but I wouldn't say it. they're a bad band. They're not a worst band. My morning jacket is not a good band. Kings of Leon, honestly, is they're, they're like bad musicians. Yeah. I mean, watch them play. They're they yeah. they don't play well. No, I don't yeah. I don't disagree with you there whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, on, so on either would, front. And really, if you if you musically, it's it's incredibly simple. And in many cases, particularly with my well, with both bands, really, it, it's very boring. And, and I don't think challenging in any way. Uh so yeah. Well, I think we agree on 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 uh your two selections um, actually more closely than not. So here's a good one. Unless did you have one? You want to go? Yeah, I got one for you. Here's go ahead. One, go ahead. Okay. Right? This is from listener Peef. Oh, Peef. Yeah, we love Peef. You can you can guess what this one's about. Peef asks, <laughs> "Is this about Ryan? He's also a Ryan Adams slappy." So absolutely, yeah, no doubt about it. But this is not about Ryan Adams. This is about the other band that he's really into urban hymns is objectively one of the best (laughs) albums of the 90s why does tof hate it so much i don't hate it i i mean it's just so i you know i love the verve's early stuff storm in heaven was like a very important album to me actually um and uh what was the one with their four faces on the cover a northern soul northern soul northern soul was good um, you know, this, the EP stuff they did sort of in the interlude. I mean, I, I, I love the verve. I, we saw them on the second stage at the Horde festival and it was probably the best band the entire day, you know, back then, which, and it was a great Horde fest. So, you know, I, I just urban hymns to me was like their, uh, you know, sort of more commercial, I guess, more layered, more produced approach and i just didn't like it that much so no i mean to say that that's top tier 90s is a bit of a stretch peef i mean come on i it's hard for me to to call an album that has the rolling people and chasing the butterfly and it's hard for me to reconcile that that's commercial i think you're thinking of bittersweet symphony and it's all of its sort of mammoth success well, not really. It was just, per, it was very produced per their previous work, which was much more stripped down, much more atmospheric. And I just like that approach from the Verve a little bit better. And this, of course, was all before Richard Ashcroft's untimely death. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> have we I told mean, that story? No. Oh. I mean, it's not that great of a story, but, it, but we, we, we were at this music festival in the, uh, what this would have been late nineties, mid nineties. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, early, early, yeah. It, was, it was the cornerstone festival, the Christian rock festival that Correct. we've talked about on the podcast here. And, and back then there were a lot of bands actually at this festival that were very influenced by the verve. I mean, they were kind of the thing. Uh, and there, this, we were out in the middle, middle of this field in Illinois is where this festival was great festival. and. A rumor started that Richard Ashcroft had died and like there were like, and our older brother was a super into the verve and very into Richard Ashcroft. And like 
there were all of a sudden these like candlelight vigils and playing the verve music and like people were like crying and hugging and all this. And then like, we like got back home and it was like, Oh no, he's fine. You know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. no, <laughs> like, he's totally fine. It like took our older brother out of the festival. I mean, yeah, it, he was done. Yeah. He spent the whole rest of the festival mourning the loss. Yeah. He was like, he was like in his tent, like maybe crying like the remainder of the festival. Yeah. yeah was, like writing sad poetry. It took yeah, him out. He very was upsetting. Done. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I do agree that the album explored some territories that I wish they hadn't gone into more pop style songwriting, which is what Ashcroft eventually went into in his rather dreadful solo career. And correct. The, the album does not touch a Northern soul, but it, it's still important i think and, and well you know, it, you know i'm thinking about it a little bit more i mean definitely urban hymns is better than dirt and better than uh ritual dehabitual and october rust i would definitely say urban <laughs> hymns is better than those so yeah i would say it's a 90s classic no question i mean come on beef <laughs> hey to each their own I, I i actually love i love talking music with beef i love talking all things with him uh nubs here's a good one this is good so in 49 episodes there has been a jab here and there, but for the most part, it's a love fest for you too. Really? Is it? Okay. What's the worst fight, verbal or, or physical altercation you've ever had? What was it over? If it's a chick, I'll be laughing my ass off. And how long after the fight was there no talking? And of course, which one of you broke the silence first? Wow. Um, I don't think we've ever fought over a chick, right? I mean, yeah, we've no. never had that. No. Um, we've kind of made fun of each other for chick really, but we've never actually like sort of uh, like fought over the same or had an issue over the same gal. Like once in fifth grade. I do remember yeah. that, but that doesn't <laughs> Wait, really count. Did we? Who was the, who was the gal? Well, I'm not going to say names, but we'll just I, say the first I, name. It was a skating station incident. I do remember that. No. Well, yeah, it, the whole that. thing lasted about three hours as it typically yeah. did. Then here's the thing that's funny, you know, I, and I think maybe every twin is like this and, and certainly a lot of siblings are like this, but you know, Nubs and I have our, uh, you know, we have our moments. I think we know how to push each, each other's buttons and all those things that most, uh, siblings and certainly a lot of twins know how to do, but we have this uncanny ability to like, absolutely despise each other for about a minute and a half and then like and actually our dad has pointed this out a bunch where it's like he just doesn't understand it's like how can you guys get so pissed off at each other and then like seriously like 90 seconds later just be like back to like being like the best of pals it's and and boy and we have i mean we've had it out you know where we're screaming at each other and pissed at each other and pushing each other but but there's this weird thing where i don't think we've ever like gone to bed at night still pissed off at each other you know i right it's, yeah. it's kind of funny and and i know both of our uh our wives speak to this as well it's like we can have a big problem and we've had a bunch but it never lasts particularly long. We don't, we don't do the grudge thing with one another at all. That's all hundred percent accurate. I think there were some, there was probably some times in our twenties and thirties where things could get a little confrontational about each other's, 
you know, we were in different places and we literally weren't yeah. living near each other. I mean, you were spent time in New York, you were in Kansas for school. I was in Ohio for school. So one of the things that's unique about us is that as close as we are, we've gone large stretches of our life, not living near each other. And that brings on a different dynamic in terms of conflict as well. I would say right. that most of our, maybe all of our confrontations in the last 15 years would be over the phone. I don't recall anything in person. Yeah, I agree with that. You know? I, I agree with that. Usually it's like, we'll be on the phone and get pissed off and yell for a bit. And then, and then like we call each other an hour later and we're talking about like tubular bells or something. Yeah. I'll give one example just because it's a great question. Uh, this is like, now I will say since COVID we've had like no arguments. I think, I think that the pandemic and all of its BS has brought on maybe just a different vibe for all of us. And I'm not just speaking yeah. for you and I. Well, and plus Nubs is really taking to drinking heavily, which has really helped. I mean, he's much more mellow now. And yeah, so I think that's a big part of it too. Is that a new development? It doesn't feel like it. But so one example, I will, I will, just, to, just to honor the question was, I do recall a couple of years back, uh, Ohio State was playing in the national championship in, against Clemson in 2019. And you and I had it out over the phone because I wasn't watching the game at a bar. And that really pissed me off. It really, really pissed me off because it was like this great night and, you know, we're in the semifinal and I was in Nashville at my parents' house and like, I'm, you know, I, I wasn't going to leave and like go to a bar. I'm going to sit there and watch the game. And I do re recall being very, very pissed off at you that you sort of like took the night that was supposed to be about, you know, me enjoying my school, doing this amazing accomplishment and like making it about where I was watching the game. And, and I, that was just... That was a moment where I, I wanted to reach through the phone and just, you know, Well, I get pissed off when, cause there was one time where instead of in lieu of coming out with me to watch my team, you decided to go home and uh, hang out with our parents and my older brother. And we so were let's, in Nashville. Let's, let's be complete. So it's yes. kind of like, you know, I've gotten, I've definitely gotten annoyed at times over the years when you, you know, are like lame about like laying on the couch with like <laughs> the fam instead of coming out to like a bar in Nashville and having some fun, you know? So I think that was a, I think that was a pile up of uh, some of those things, but yeah, these are like the dumb it, it's, it's usually dumb stuff, but it's stuff pushing like that. Stuff. It, it's a lot of, as the Oasis documentary says, and we probably take on these respective personas. T's got a lot of fingers and I've got a lot of buttons, you know, that's probably the best way to, to describe yeah. our conflicts. And I've got a lot of buttons with T and he's got a lot of fingers and he knows how to push them pretty well. But what's, I think one of the reasons why these things don't last long is because they're usually based on very fleeting things. Oh yeah. You know, it's like yeah. stuff usually like dumb that. Stuff. Yeah. Now I was, I was severely pissed off at you for about 24 hours. And I was also mad that we lost the game, which was yeah. really <laughs> awful. I mean, we, 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 I think, one of both of our strengths, our few strengths is that we both move on very quickly from things, you know? Well, listen, if you were out at a bar, you know, putting some good vibes out there, maybe your team wouldn't have lost. And if I was out at a bar, I would have had to cry all the way home in my that's Uber. What, for that's 45 what I was minutes. trying to help you with, you yeah, know, instead yeah. of being at home, you know, sucking your thumb, watching it with, you know, the family. I mean, rolling over and sucking my thumb is precisely how I coped. And I was glad to, to do that at home. The beautiful part is. A year later, 
back in the semifinal. I'm back in Nashville. I watched the game at home. Now you didn't give me any shit about not going to the bar this time because it was during COVID. There was no bar to bars to go to. Yeah. And the Buckeyes won and, and all was well. So there you oh. go. And I'm happy that, that they won. OH. I O. And you should have been at a bar. Okay. Uh, here's a good one. Wondering if you two, and I think we've got, we've touched on this a little. Wondering if you two would consider covering any sort of country records. I know Nubs isn't too keen on twang, <laughs> but there has to be some groundbreaking records in that genre worth discussing. This comes from Sean of Celine Music and Vinyl. Fantastic listener, fantastic pal, and runs one hell of a musical operation, retail operation here in here in Celine. So everybody uh, so should go you, check Sean. out Celine Music and Vinyl, especially the stunning vinyl collection that Sean has accumulated over time. So yeah, I think there's been some wheeling and dealing uh, between you two. We've been there? working together on building that vinyl collection, and I think it's in a very good place. So I remember you were on the, uh, on the, uh, men, what, what podcast is that, that Gene's on? Oh, middle-aged men on yeah. middle-aged men, middle-aged men on. Yeah. 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 Great pod. And, uh, I know that when you were on with those guys, um, when you were doing your, uh, cross potting or what, cross it, what pot. you, yeah. yeah, you came up with all these, you, you had a list of like names for pod this, swap like, was one of yeah, the pods. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was funny. You guys talked about this a little bit and you know, I, I think absolutely. I mean, I think absolutely it's a genre that we haven't touched enough. I mean, I know that I've brought up a couple things during round and running in your head, but as far as like focusing on an episode, we probably have fallen short going 50 without that genre. We've obviously hit on um, most other genres at this point. So I think that's a fair question, Sean. We'll have to find the right thing. And, uh, I mean, certainly there are some incredibly classic, you know, influential, uh, and important, you know, country albums out there. Now, now I'm thinking more of the older stuff, which I think, you know, we can all agree on is better. A lot of it now is very orchestrated, calculated pop. Um, Oh, this new, for- this new country, country hip hop thing is, is horrible. Yeah. It's pretty bad. I mean, come on, you know, you get this big, hip hop danceable festival rock backbeat and then have someone twanging over. I mean, it's just, it's horrendous. It's terrible. Yeah, I would agree with that. But you know, when you go back to the classics and you go back to the classic artists and there are some, some albums, some LPs, uh, I mean, it was very singles based country music has always been pretty singles based, but there are some, you know, very important long plays there that, uh, I'm sure we'll get to. That's a good suggestion. Mr. Sean. Okay, here we go. I got one for you. Pretty standard question, but a very good one. If you could travel back in time to attend any live concert event, what would it be and why? And it says live concert event. Event. Um, so I'd probably want to go back and 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 be at that Skinnerd set at Nebworth. Um, that daytime set. That was pretty incredible. Um, where Alan Collins is in the red outfit and and they had the Eagle ramp and that, that, yeah, that was pretty strong. And, and typically I'm not a huge fan of daytime sets at music festivals, but there was just something about that one that was perfect for those guys. Um, so that's one, you know, there are probably a few bands that I wish I, I, I that I could kind of go back and see, you know, sort of in the heyday, you know, seeing Jane's addiction, you know, kind of, in their prime. I didn't get to see them until 
they were on strays, you know, so getting to see them during nothing shocking or during ritual would have been sweet. Um, I didn't get to see Allison chains, um, ever with lane. So, you know, going back and seeing something like that would be great. And of course, I mean, I would just go back and go see typo as many times as possible. You know, I mean, we did a great job of getting in as many of those as we could, but obviously, you know, not knowing that we were going to lose Pete, uh, as early as we did, you know, I'd probably go back and especially during that sort of October rust, uh, world coming down run, you know, that their live sets and their, and their live performance got a little iffy at times, uh, during life is killing me in some of those time periods, as great as those albums were. So yeah, those are a few that come to mind, uh, for me, buddy. There'd be a couple for me. Uh, one would be Lollapalooza either 1992 or 93. Not the very first one with Gene's Addiction, which would be cool, but the, and, and super jealous of our older brother who went to the 1993 one at the Milan Dragway here in Michigan. And yeah, that was like Primus and Allison Chains, Dinosaur uh, Jr. Tool, Fishbone, and- Rage Against the Machi- Machine was like, on the side stage, I think. Yeah. Second stage. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, that, <laughs> that would have been really cool to go to, especially at a kind of an obscure location here in Michigan, the Milan dragway. So again, like older brother went, have always been so jealous of that. Our first Lollapalooza was 94, which was smashing pumpkins and beastie boys. And, uh, I remember George Clinton was there. That actually, T, I, I thought that's where we saw the Verve. Was it? You said the Horde Fest earlier. I thought it was on the side stage at Lollapalooza. I could have that been. Year. Okay. It's, it's same same thing. Same. Yeah, thing. but it was right in that era for sure. Um, so that that would be kind of the more recent ish, twenty plus years ago. Recent that has always stuck with me because, like I said, our, our older brother went to the nineteen ninety three Lollapalooza, and I just I would imagine that that lineup would have just been an incredible day. But more like before I was born, easily for me it would have been the California Jam, which was in nineteen seventy four, and it, the lineup was I don't know everybody, but I know for sure it was Deep Purple, Emerson Lake and Palmer, and like Earth Wind and Fire. <laughs> were like three of the main groups there. And just that lineup alone at a stadium in California. Oh, Black Sabbath was there too. It was like the later phase of Black Sabbath. Like things were sort of starting to fall apart then, I think. Just that day with that lineup, just and all of the kind of crazy all over the place aspect of those bands would have been really, really cool. And and kind of like one of the early festival stadium-ish sort of deals. So yeah, being at a Zeppelin, um, you know, stadium or arena show would have been sweet, of course, as well. All right, here's a good run. And then, and then maybe we'll get to a little something after this. Here's a good run. This is our listener, JDL. Uh, so these are kind of rapid fire. So I'm just going to throw them at you, Nub. All right, you ready? All right. Chuck Mangione's flugelhorn. Underrated? Oh, absolutely. Just listen to the full version of Feels So Good. That's all you need to know. Yeah, it's like 25 minutes long, but it's worth the sit. And of course, you know, we intro the show with a little Herb Albert. Uh, I know that that's a, I don't think that's a flugelhorn. That's a, you know, like a cornet or something. I don't know. But uh, not underrated, though, is Chuck Mangione's uh, album covers. Those are just fabulous. Well, both Mangione and again, Herb Albert both had fantastic. I mean, you talk about just 
taking a lot of talent and putting it on your album covers. I mean, goodness, you know, great way to, great way to shift some units. All right. Are both Dylan and Springsteen overrated or just one or the other? Springsteen is definitely overrated. Dylan, I I don't know if I'd use the word overrated, he's spotty. You know, there were phases that were better than others, but Springsteen has gone entire, you know, chunks of years without producing anything worthy. I can't say that for Dylan. You know, every phase of Dylan had something in it that was absolutely worth digging into and was very influential. So well, from 68 to 78. Yes. But you know, that was, you know, 40 years ago now. So. You're talking about for Dylan. Yeah. See, I think yeah. some of Dylan's stuff in the eighties was really good. I love the, the three religious albums that he did with, which I think went into the early eighties. And then dude, he made two of his best albums in the nineties. You know, I, I mean, he, it's, it's not quite as heralded because it's not like vintage yeah. Dylan, but he did some really cool stuff later in his career. So interesting. I was cracking up the other day. I saw, you know, the Olympics are coming up and I saw that Bruce Springsteen's uh, daughter, I think qualified for the equestrian team. And I was just thinking like, he's the New Jersey blue collar, you know, hardworking guy. And, and his daughter clearly, you know, practiced equestrian her uh, entire life. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like, that's a great call. All yeah. right, boss. That's kind of funny. Okay. Here's a good one from JDL again. Why, why did Lyle Lovett and Julia Roberts get married? <laughs> <laughs> well, just thinking of it from the Lyle Lovett perspective, I, I can think of several reasons. Uh, Primarily that Julie Roberts at that time was probably the most gorgeous film star of the nineties uh, or early nineties when they got married. I mean, she was stunning, smoking. stunning. Yeah. I mean, her mouth alone, like remember when she went on Letterman that one time and like Letterman just could hardly, I mean, he was so his whole shtick was just being sort of above the guest and above the audience. And, and the joke was on everybody else, but, I remember Letterman being just visibly, you know, ill composed because he was so struck by Julia Roberts's like beauty in person. Like he, he couldn't even maintain his, uh, normal, uh, shtick, you know, it's a, it's a great clip. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's a great reference. So, you know, I, you fully understand it from the wild love it perspective from the Julia perspective, that could be a little tricky, but you know, I, what I think about Lyle Lovett is just always the hair. You know, what was going on with that, that sure. curly stand up hair? I just, you know, I can't, I can't imagine what that was like to deal with on a daily basis. Well, JDL wanted to make clear that he is a big Lyle Lovett fan. This is not a, um, this is not a knock. He wanted to make sure we weren't knocking Lyle Lovett because he actually uh, celebrates his entire catalog, I believe. But can you name um, one Lyle Lovett song? Like I, I, he's, he's more famous to me for, being the dude who was married to Julia Roberts. I, I don't even know. He was a country guy, I think, but like, did he have any huge hits or anything? I, I can't. No, I don't know one. Uh, I can't think of one song. I don't know that I've ever actually heard him sing. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have either. Yeah. But he was married been, to Julia Roberts. That may have been one of those like tabloid orchestrated deals. I don't know. I mean, clearly she, she liked something. I don't know. Some, there's something about Lyle that we don't know about, you know? Should they bring back MTV Unplugged? I'd love to see the Unplugged format return. It it actually sort of has. I know for Record Store Day, 
either this past year or the year before, they released a Liam Gallagher unplugged. And I don't know if it was MTV per se or not. I'd love to see MTV return to any semblance of musical programming. They won't. So would love to see the format return, but I'd rather see somebody do it that actually has interest in that format. Like, you know, when Palladia was first a thing, and I know now it's called MTV Live or what, I don't know, maybe that's even changed. But when Palladia first launched, it was supposed to be a return to like music programming. Would love to see somebody that actually gets music programming pull off another unplugged. So if I remember correctly, I think I think I have this right. The whole unplug thing kind of started when Bon Jovi, John and Richie did a Wanted Dead or Alive, I think that maybe the VMAs or something like that, with just acoustics. Um, yeah. And then you had, I know very early on, uh, you had Eric Clapton, which was a huge record, and you had Mariah Carey unplugged, which was a huge record. And that sort of took it to the mainstream. And then of course, Nirvana. I mean, there were, there were some really successful unplugged records, obviously. Allison Chains. Yeah. And obviously the Neil Young unplugged is one of my all time favorites. So, but then it seemed like they kind of ran out of bands that could really pull it off. You know I mean? They they started getting into like, I remember Korn did an unplugged and it was interesting, but not like all that good. And, you know, they, they kind of tried to, um, it almost seemed like they ran out of options, you know, it's kind of like who can pull this off in the way that really created some magic before. I know that Dave Grohl going on Howard Stern and doing a version, an acoustic version of Everlong, which, you know, doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was, you know, 1995, that would have been right. Um, that that also was very influential on this idea of kind of stripping down um, performances and stripping down recordings and this sort of thing. So I don't know. I think with, with um, modern music, it's more difficult. I mean, obviously, you know, festival rock, as you put it, and, and some of these other genres are going to be more and more further and further difficult to pull off unplugged when you've got all these digital sort of DIY layering effects and, all the things that uh, the, the sort of uh, Gen X and Gen Z ear is being trained to enjoy and appreciate. I mean, that's only going to get harder. Um, so I don't know. It seems like they kind of dried up on options even way back then. And certainly now doing that with any of sort of these more recent bands or newer bands or even bands that have kind of evolved to the point, well, devolved, I guess, to the point where they're sounding more and more festival rocky, pulling ups something that's stripped down and unplugged uh, is going to be even more difficult. I thought unplugged was really cool. You're going to hate me for saying it. And it's the band we bring up the most on this podcast, usually in negative terms, but I thought the Pearl Jam unplugged was incredible. You know, I, I just thought it was such a cool, and they did that right in their commercial heyday. They went on MTV unplugged. And I thought it was cool that. until Eddie started hopping around and writing political messages all over his body with a, permanent marker right i mean until that i thought it was all right <laughs> total jackass hey nubs guess what what we got a game for you buddy hey it's game time i love it love right it. and now 
here on episode 50 of Two Twins in an Album. Your host, Toph. Hands up, buddy. Hands up. <laughs> Brings you to Contestant Nubs, episode 52, Twins and an Album Trivia. I can put my hands down for this. I, there's nothing to look up. I would say Keep questionable on you. I, yeah, I mean, you know, All listen, right. I trust, I trust you. I mean, like you said, you were <laughs> trust me. I'm not cheating at these. You were pitiful the last game. So what's worse than pitiful? All right. This is two twins in an album trivia. I got 15 questions. Oh, baby. All right. All right. Now, as we always do, uh, I, mean, I think last time we did the 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 uh, which beetle said it. I think you said you were going to get five or six, maybe, and you got two. Yeah, uh, I said five then, or above would have been a good number, and I was dreadfully lower than that. But on did Barry write it? You were great. I think you got eight or something or seven. So, so what do you think would be a good score uh, for fifteen? Two twins in an album trivia questions. Well, seeing how I'm one of the uh, twins, I would say 10 would be a okay. reasonable goal, right? Okay. I mean, and if not, then I clearly haven't been paying enough attention to, uh, you know, to our own work. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get it going. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. Now, some of these are, you know, quotes. And then I'm going to ask you what episode they were said. Some of these are straight up questions. So, you know, let's just go with it here. Okay, you okay. ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. All right. This first one was a quote from Toph. I want to know which episode this was said. Okay? Okay. Yep. You ready? All right. This is question one. In what episode did Toph say... You went more in a gaga direction. You went more in a gaga direction. What episode did Toph say you went more in a gaga direction? Wow. Well, I'm going to go with the only female artist we have covered on the podcast and go with the Jagged Little Pill episode. That is incorrect. The answer is episode two, Phil Collins face value. And what I was referring to was when you went gaga, 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 gaga. Oh, that gaga. Oh, I thought you were talking mm. about Lady Gaga. Mm. Mm. All right. Row for one. Gotcha. All right. Question two. Which episode did we provide our first singing performance? And here's a hint. It was Brian Adams. Uh, who are the other two? Sting. Sting and... and um, who's the other? Brian Jack. Adams, Sting, and... Who else is in that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I only remember Brian Adams and Sting. Oh, Rod Stewart. Oh, Rod, Rod Stewart, yeah, yeah. 
doing All for Love. Which episode did we provide our first singing performance of All for Love? First of all, it's a great Two Twins in an Album moment. It was pretty early on. I'm going to say episode three, the Our Lady Peace. I'm sorry. Episode four, the Our Lady Peace episode. So episode four was not Our Lady Peace. Okay. I'm going to say it was the Our Lady Peace episode. The Our Lady Peace episode was, um, just for reference, because I don't expect you to memorize this sort of level of detail. Okay. Was episode six. So you said four, and then you said Our Lady Peace, which is six. Which one do you want to go with, buddy? What What was episode four? Episode four was Def Leppard Adrenalize. You know what? I'm going to go with that. I, four was in my head because I remember do, we did three episodes where there wasn't much singing or my, any of that kind of stuff. And from four on, I do remember. So I, I'm definitely going with episode four. Four is correct. Okay. Episode yeah. four, Def Leppard Adrenalize. Now, I Oh, you know what? Now I know. Mu- it yeah. was the Mutt Lang thing. We were talking about Def Leppard and Mutt Lang, and then we started talking about Brian Adams, and then for some reason we started singing off for that. All right, good. That was good. You, and you said four. That was legit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're one for two. Nice job. You're on the board, buddy. On the board. Question three. We now have a replica of the movie Twins as our podcast logo. What was the original logo photo for the podcast? I I know it didn't last long. Correct. And it would have been whatever available picture you had of us. But I mean, (laughs) I think the only available picture of you and I would have been a, a picture of you and I next to each other that was taken we were what was it for we were we were in front of a white background it was for something we did in relation to uh like Mott children's hospital or something like it was some media that we did or something like that and there's this picture of us next to each other in front of a white background you're close but you're incorrect it was a picture of us at the lions chiefs football game oh okay okay that's right you're in your lions I think you were in a hat. I'm wearing a Chiefs hat. You're in a Lions jersey. Yes. And we took this goofy picture of us in front of Ford Field, and that was before you created, well done, the superimposed photo of the movie Twins. That was the original. Yeah, that's right. Logo and, photo. And it didn't, right. Like I said, it didn't last long. Correct. Yeah. All right, you're one for you're one for three. One for three. All right, here's question four. This is a quote from Nubs. Name the episode. Ready? Yeah. What episode did Nubs say? That's like Air Drum Central. That's it wasn't like Air Drum Central. It wasn't face value that the already referenced Phil Collins episode because, you know, we we did drums during that, but we didn't, I wouldn't have said air drum central for that. This is, 
This would have to be something else. That one to me, because I'm such a huge fan of Jeremy Taggart for Our Lady Peace, I'm going to guess the Our Lady Peace Clumsy episode. Which would be episode six? Yeah. You're incorrect, but not by much. Episode five, the Toto episode, we were talking about the Rosanna Shuffle. Ah, okay. All right, you're one for four. I mean, there have been a lot of air drum mentions on the podcast, so tough question. But. All right. Here's a quote from Toph. Which episode did Toph say the following? Maybe it's good we get this one out of the way in the morning so we don't wake up scared. <laughs> you know, our the morning episodes we did... It was fairly recent because we had been recording them at night. And so the last, just thinking about the last, it wasn't Slipknot. That was too early. That was when we were still recording at night. So the other one that would be in that realm to me would be the Pantera episode. And I think that we did do that one in the morning. So I'm going to guess Pantera, Volga, Display of Power. It's a great guess and you are in the right time period, but it's incorrect. Episode 30, Francis the Mute by the Mars Volta. Ah, okay. All right. Good guess, though. That wasn't, you know, you thought that went through properly. Just missed uh, the other scary record. Yeah. We did. Yeah. All right. Here's a Nubs quote. This is question six. Which episode did Nubs say? Good thing they weren't into chicks because a chick would never go to their show. <laughs> Did I really say that? <laughs> I mean, that one I have to guess. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. <laughs> it's a, it's a logical guess, but it's actually correct. You said that in episode twenty six about your beloved King Crimson. Oh, on the album Red. Oh man. I mean, chicks loved Frankie Goes to Hollywood. They would totally go to that. That, that show was mostly chicks. Well, I don't know about that. It was probably yeah, it was the being into chicks part. Yeah. The, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're one for six. But yeah, you know, I'm, these, I have to go uh, perfect the rest of the way. If I'm going to. I know you <laughs> clearly need to go back and listen to some old work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Name the episode where we talked about the album that the hot mom down the street listened to. Hot mom down the street across the neighborhood. Let's say. Listen to. Oh, that that this is this actually happened. Like we referenced that we weren't saying it figuratively. Like yes, there actually we talked was about a hot this mom. during yes, we talked about this during Wonder Stories for episode blank where the hot mom down the street and across the neighborhood love this album it was part of what got us into it or at least me maybe not you but maybe me for sure the hot mom I, I, honestly dude right now I'm not even thinking about the album I'm just trying to think about who the hot mom was 
and why I don't remember this. There was a hot mom when we were growing up that was notoriously hot. We just grew up in so many locations. I can't remember remember which location. Legendarily hot in this album. During Wonder Stories, I mentioned that this was a big part of me. It was actually the first time I heard the album. Hot mom put it. Oh, oh, okay. Now I know the hot mom. The hot mom put it in the CD cartridge, played it. All the boys were hanging out. I think we were drooling at the moment. So it's got to be nine. Because of the hot mom? Yeah. Um, It's got to be. Need an answer. Need an answer. Shoot. Um, hot mom, early 90s. What have we done? I'm going to say the Jane's Addiction episode. And who would the hot mom have been? Well, I guess we can't say. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're not saying. The answer is uh, episode 20, Osmosis. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I thought you'd for sure get that one. Okay. I'm you're just one glad I for, remembered who the hot mom is. You're one. Did did you get did you have the right hot mom in mind, yeah. please? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. And you went Jane's addiction. Interesting. Okay. Uh one for seven. One for seven. Okay. Question eight. What Hitchcock soundtrack was in Rupert Holmes Round and Round in episode seventeen? Yeah, so I remember this reference. And you're the Hitchcock guy, not me. But I'm going to say Vertigo. Vertigo is correct. He mentioned that there was a Bernard Herrmann score, uh, the original score that he had been listening to, the Vertigo soundtrack, in his round and round. So, okay, good. You're, you're now two for eight. I'm planning on a run here. Get, yeah, get a little run go. Get a little Uncle Mo going here. Okay. Name the two rap albums and the two metal albums we have done during our first 50 episodes of the podcast. Well, for metal, I mean, we've done slipknot subliminal verses of course that's one and like depending on how you classify metallica and justice for all or pantera vulgar display of power if you want to say i mean i would that's right pantera's right they're both metal yep pantera's right okay yeah you got the metal you got the metal part of the question closed out for rap definitely run dmc the first album run dmc is correct you have one more to go to answer the question correctly it depends on like how loose of a of a interpretation of rap is it you know what i mean like 311 is not rap we're not classifying that as rap 311 is not rap use your illusion has moments of bad rap oh stop it come on what's the other (laughs) rap album bc boys check your head check your head is correct you have answered two in a row my friend and you are three of nine. Good job. Did you cheat? No. Okay. Because you were like stalling with all these rap definitions and all that. No, but I was I was going through the Rolodex just in terms of like even Limp Biscuit because we did that one. Like, yeah, is that, would you enough. have considered that rap? I, I would say no. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. What's the album we did with the horrible rap song at the end? Oh, it's yeah, it's Use Your, Use Your Illusion 2. Right? Yeah, mad, mad world. My world. My world. Awful. All right. 
Toph declared his man crush for Brendan Bayless on the Mantis episode. Boy, did you ever. Bayless admitted that he has a man crush on which musician during Round and Round? I remember this exchange. Toph declared his man love for Bayless and Bayless... Toph wished Bayless would have declared his man love for Toph, but instead he declared his man love for another man. Who was it? I remember talking about Huey Lewis, but that was more in the context of that he did a song with them. So I don't think it was that. Oh, man. Oh. Need an answer. Give up? Gosh, who was it? I do remember the conversation. Yeah. I, don't, I think if it's not coming to mind, you're not going to get it. Yeah, who was it? It was Isaac Brock of Modest Mouse. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was yeah. talking about enjoying uh, one of the older Modest Mouse records during Round and Round, and he mentioned that he himself has a little bit of a man crush on Isaac Brock. Okay. You are three for ten. It's not great. But there have been some toughies. So let's see if you can... You got five more. Let's see if you can close it out here. All right. What was the quickest... Not that we prepare much, as we've talked about a lot. But what was the quickest episode we pulled together in our first 50? It was pretty recent. It was... I mean, it was sort of almost immediate. There's a couple that come to mind. Pantera was pretty quick. There was there were circumstances that that caused us to create this episode very quickly. I'll give you a hint. Okay, with that, I I, I think it's Huey Lewis in the news sports. And what would that circumstance have been? Doesn't matter. Incorrect. The answer is episode sixteen, Van Halen fifty one fifty. We decided we are going to record something. The day Eddie oh, Van Halen the died. Death. That's right. And then we decided, shoot, let's pivot and do 51. And within like a couple hours, we, and you did an amazing job on that one, by the way, in that short a t- a period of time, we, we pieced together a, uh, the 5150 episode in response to Eddie Van Halen's death. So yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. I had sports on the brain because I do recall that one also being a little bit of a Hey, you want to record tonight? Yeah, let's do it. You know, something like that. But but in terms of the selection of the album and the whole pro, I mean, you're right. That was the one that threw together in like an hour. Yeah. All right. You got four more. You got four more. You're three of 11. Three eleven. How about that? Hey, there we go. Name our first five episodes. Name. Oh, like which albums? Correct. All right. Nirvana in utero. Correct. Phil Collins face value. Correct. Four, we already said was Def Leppard Adrenalize. Correct. So now we're looking at three and five. So what were your you at Nirvana? Beastie Boys, check your head, was either three or five. I want to say it was. Wow, you're incorrect. So three was Be Here Now, Oasis. Oh yeah, in five, I've I actually mentioned in an earlier question was Toto self-titled. Yeah, that's right. Man, all right. 
You're now three of 12. Three more to go. Name our last five episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Beatles, White Album. Correct. Does they have to be in order? No. Okay. Urge Overkill Saturation. Correct. Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion. Correct. Oh, gosh. Was Sparta in there? So before Use Your Illusion would have been mine. And... Was that Sparta Porcelain? Did we go that like that many guests in a row? Correct. Okay. Correct. I'll save you a little trouble. Correct. And then before Sparta was your, what you would have picked before then, Frankie Goes Hollywood. Ooh, so that was back in episode 42. Episode 45 was In Through the Outdoor. Oh, man, that's right. All right. Two more, buddy. Two more. In the first 50 episodes of Two Twins in an Album, there have been three albums where one of us put it on the turntable and one of us put it in the for sale bin. What were those three albums? One is Check Your Head. Check Your Head is correct. And I'll give you a hint. So that's the one that I put on the turntable. You put in the for sale. But yeah. the other two you put on the turntable. Yeah. I put in the for sale. Bin. Yeah, I did. Fi- I did figure that. I'm going to say not a flock of seagulls. I thought you might do that. But I think if I remember right, that was collecting dust. And not Slipknot. But it, was, it had to be something that that you you know just weren't into and I probably knew it choosing it kid a we both put in the oh yeah open. so that no dis- no disagreement on that one <laughs> thankfully I think back to all my choices. trying to even think about why genre like what's a genre that you really don't care for that I would have chosen and that you would have put in the for sale bin need an answer buddy yeah one of the episodes has already been mentioned like within the last like two minutes (laughs) oh I'll guess a flock of seagulls but I, I, I don't think you did, but I'm going to guess that. So the other two where you put them on the turntable and I put them in the for sale bin, the first was face value episode two. Did you really? Yes, sir. And the then hell is wrong the with second, you? this is a tough one. <laughs> the second, this is a tough one. The second was rush counterparts. You put that in the for sale bin. I did. How are we the- even still talking? I think it's outdated. I think it didn't hold up well. 
All right. Hey, you can go back. <laughs> if you want to hear my uh, my thoughts on that, you can go back to episode 14, Rush Counterparts. All right, buddy. You got one more. Let's see if we can get you to four. All right? Okay. Nubs has selected two prog selections in our first 50 episodes. What were they? And what were Toph's final cuts for both? First would be yes, nine zero one two five. Well, not no, 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 no. Prague, not Prague bands, Prague albums. Nine zero one two five. I wouldn't say it's a Prague album. That's not a Prague album. No, it's a pop album. So. It's a pop album. Okay, King Crimson Red. Correct. And your final cut for that would have been. It definitely wasn't on the turntable, but it was. I'd say in the collection. I think that's how you assigned red. Okay, and what's the second one? The second prog album that's not 90125. See, I do I do consider 90125 a prog album, but that's just me. No way. No. Owner owner of a lonely heart. Come on. Oh man. Well, maybe not that song, but changes is a prog song. <laughs> Mm. Hearts is a prog song. Mm. It I mean, can happen. Great. It can happen. It's definitely a prog song. I put that on the turntable. I love that record. But yeah, for prog. sure. Come on, for sure. Okay, so aside from King Crimson, uh, let's see. I haven't done a Genesis album. Wow, I even I thought you'd get this in two seconds. So I I added on the final cut thing as a you know to make Pink it harder. Fl- Pink Floyd Animals. No. No. <laughs> okay. Um. You want it? You want? Let me tell you what it is. Sure. All right. Tubular bells. Okay. And tubular bells. You. That was it. That was a big episode for us because I was like, I was very curious as to what you were going to think of it, and curious as to what you were going to do with your final cut. And. I think I, you were favorable. I'm going to say you were in the collection, not on the turntable. So tubular bells, which you did not guess, surprisingly, was incorrect. But in the collection is correct. Red, you got. And I actually have that one collecting dust. Not in the collection. Did but really? uh, listen, I thought you'd do a little better, but uh but hey, a lot that, of good recollections, a lot of good reminiscing. I liked it. It was a great game. Turn the goddamn music off. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, geez. The, oh, <laughs> get off. Out of get off. Out of um, I agree. You know, I agree. Fun to fun to relive some, rekindle some old memories there, buddy. Um, can I hit well, you with a question now? Just based on, you know, we sure, just we talked can, about. <laughs> well, you want to cool down? You want to ice down with a question right now? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, which, which episode did T say ice down in? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one is uh, is from listener Oliver, who's a great listener. He listens to us oh, yeah. from across the pond, if you will. Indeed. Excellent. Yes. Bringing some international listenership to us. So, Oleander, thanks, buddy. Great, great job uh, keeping up with the podcast. We Absolutely. appreciate it. Who is or are worst musicians? Matt Sorum or the entire lineup of bare naked ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we got some, 
we got some heat on, I think it was on our YouTube comments about your take on Matt Sorum. There, there was somebody out there, I don't know who it was, was, was defending Matt Sorum's honor after listening to the Use Your Illusion take that you had on his drumming. Was his um, username official Matt Sorum? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was very, you'll have to look at it. It was very, um, it's like, wow, I've got a big Matt Sorum fan here. I mean, you have, you kind of, you probably have to say that it's the Bare Naked Ladies because they only knew three chords uh, and they made a living off those three chords. So Sorum was in the cult and they were a successful band and he was in Guns N' Roses. I'd probably have to say the Bare Naked Ladies just because, um, Although they did have that goofy guy that played the upright bass and he was pretty good. I think he was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a draw. I'm going with Sorum. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Cause like at least the bare naked ladies found a way to, and I'm not a fan of theirs at all, but they found a way to create hits. And I remember when one week, <laughs> I remember when one week came out many, many years ago, it was one of those where you called me and you're like, you're like, God damn it. I really like this bare naked ladies song. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think I did at first, but in a very sort of fun loving way. Oh yeah. 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 It was like, a, in a line it, it was like in a summer way, you know? Yeah. 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 What's the line in it that I just love? Uh, it's, I mean, the verses are so is it, ridiculous. Is it chickity China? Yes. Chinese chicken. Chickity you have a China. drumstick and your brain starts ticking. Chickity China, the Chinese chicken. <laughs> I mean, they made money off of that. Oh, lots of it. You know? like, yeah, lots of it. Here's well, another one from Oleander. This one's directed at me. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Which had more significance in your life? Meeting Peter Steele or your first kiss? <laughs> and it's the easiest question ever. And that's meeting Peter Steele. Because my first kiss was in fifth grade. and It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. But that's meeting Peter Steele was, I mean, absolutely. Meeting Peter Steele might have more significance than my last kiss. Yeah, it's uh it's I mean that's a great classic uh classic nubs story, classic two twins in an album story. Nubs, you got any more? I'm spent. Okay, I got, I got one more. I got one more. Okay, buddy. And uh th- this will be and you know, first and foremost, I do want to say that one of the things that we've been able to experience in the last several episodes is bringing in guests and that's been really cool and I've really enjoyed you know collaborating with UT on the interviews and and the discussions and I want to, you know, give you a shout out for the great job that you've done on some of those discussions and your contributions. But this question is, is quite appropriate. All right. Okay. Toph, what on earth do you love so much about Brendan Bayless? It was clear from the episode that you have a very deep admiration for this gentleman. <laughs> Can you tell us more about where this man love comes from? Who asked that? It was an anonymous question. Anonymous. Yeah. My ass. Uh, Listen, I I think he's a top tier rhythm guitar player. If you watch him and if you go to their shows, I love his unassuming demeanor. I love his ego-free demeanor. I like his, his genuine intensity for, for the music he's playing without having to get up there and make a bunch of faces and act like a jackass. I mean, you can tell that he's very, very dialed in to what he's doing, but also enjoying himself. And he interacts with the crowd a lot, but not in a stupid high five way, like in a, like giving you little looks and winks and nods. And I, you know, I just think he's very smooth on stage, very cool. 
like the way he plays. Uh, I, I just, listen, I just, I like the way he moves across the room. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just, when he speaks, I just get a, just a mild shiver. A tingly uh, feeling? In yeah, your loins. just a little, little tingle. And um, no, I mean, I just, listen, I, I think he's, uh, I think he does it right. And I think, uh, you know, Jake is great to watch shred, but he's the type of rhythm guitarist, uh, like a Malcolm Young or like a Hetfield or, you know, Izzy Stradlin. We talked a little bit about on you, on the use your illusion piece, you know, or you can watch the rhythm guitar player and see what they're kind of what they're laying down and, and sort of what they're keeping, uh, as that backbone, which is critical. So yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. It was awesome to, uh, you know, have him on the podcast and talk about what I think is a really terrific album in Mantis. This question actually just came in. Uh, Toph, does Mrs. Toph get jealous about the way you talk about Brendan Bayless? That question did not just get in. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't know. She should. She should. Yeah. I I if, if she only knew, <laughs> yeah. you know, but. Uh, well, we want to uh, give a great shout out to those who send in questions for episode 50. And T, you know, we've made it 50 episodes. I mean, like you said at the top, that is, that is pretty cool. But I tell you, we wouldn't do it without the listeners. If people weren't tuning into this, we would uh, just really be wasting everyone's time. So everybody should know how much effort T puts into the production of the podcast. And he does all the editing and makes everything sound good. And I really appreciate it, man. People just do not see all the time and effort that you put in behind the scenes and you really make it go. And not to mention the thing was totally your idea from the start. So people should speak about T in the same way that T speaks about Brendan Bayless. <laughs> well, it is, it's the T decade. I think we decided, isn't it? I mean, yeah, where yeah. people need to stop thinking so much about themselves and start thinking more about me, T. You know, I want people to, you know, wake up in the morning and say, what can I do today to make tea happy? You know? Um, no, buddy, listen, uh, you know, I'm so glad we're doing this. It's, it was a, initially this fun, goofy way for us to get some time together virtually, you know, during COVID and, and not being able to play Anders Orange and not being able to, uh, you know, play our acoustic piece and all those type of things. Um, you know, it was a great, kind of outlet for us and who would have thought that it'd stick for 50 episodes and you know the contributions you made of bringing guests and of you know great album selections and you know it's uh you know i i may do the editing but you uh you help us uh have great content to edit so i i appreciate you as well and uh listen we may have an argument tonight but at least it'll only last about five minutes afterwards you know, as we've uh, determined today. So I think one thing I've learned is we need to do a lot more fighting on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I tell yeah. you what, you keep putting rush albums in the for sale bin and shit. That's that, that's a good start. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. It's uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we need to take a look at our ratings, you know, see what, uh, you know, maybe we should just go all sensationalist, you know, maybe, maybe we should go political. Let's turn this into a politics show. You know, that's, that seems to be a way to get some cheap ratings these days. So what do you think? Yeah, I think so. You know, let's, let, let's, uh, yeah, let's become pundits, political yeah. pundits, influencers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Well, see, we'll put a bow on episode 50, which only means one thing, right? Next is episode 51. Indeed it is. Which you will be taking the reins on. 
And we might have to brush up on our math before that episode. And that's, that's a little feather to tickle with, isn't it? Mm, yes. Math. Heady. Heady music. Absolutely. Lots and lots of math. And we will visit that on episode 51. As we wrap up the Q&A episode here on episode 50, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And we will see you soon on the next edition of Two Twins and an Album. Two Twins and an Album. Well, that's about it. That's all we have. I hope it wasn't too disappointing. We will see you on tour. Until then, take it easy.